to be challenged, and sometimes we need to uh, be sharpened up, and sometimes just need to be encouraged, amen? And I just feel like as I was preparing this, uh, this week, uh, God was speaking to my heart, I just want to encourage my people today, and I said, amen, I need that, <laughs> and um, when we're talking about the spirit arising, oftentimes we can think, wait a second, uh, we read the book of Acts maybe, and we think, does, that, does this mean I have to do that? And it's a daunting thing sometimes to think of ourselves as to, to be a person who flows in the, in the gifts of the Spirit, who moves in the supernatural. I feel like that is a daunting thing sometimes. And, and uh, as I was uh, uh, looking uh, this week, um, you know, through what God wanted me to share, I was really encouraged by the life of Peter and, and how uh, when we look at certain characters in the Bible, it can really encourage us. Uh, because if uh, I titled the, the, the sermon today um, Lessons from the Life of Peter, but actually when, as we were worshiping, I really felt the Lord put this on my heart. If Peter can do it, anyone can do it. Amen? So I want to read a verse to you, and then I'm going to show you a quick video to, to kick things off here. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says this. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? Wherever you are on your journey of faith, Jesus is committed to completing the work that he started in you. Whether you're a baby Christian or you've been a Christian for 60 years, Jesus is committed to you. We often think in terms of my commitment to Jesus, but this verse being confident that he who began a good work is faithful. Listen, Jesus is radically committed to you. You're not the only one that's committed in the relationship. He's committed. Amen. I've got a video to show you about one of my favorite friendships in the Bible. So we can get the lights down and go for it. You need help. I'm not looking for any help. And besides, there's nothing to help with. Hey! You can't just climb into my boat. Yeah, you're right. Give me a helping hand. What do you think you're doing? We're going fishing. 
There are no fish out there this time of day. In fact, there are no fish out here any time of day. Peter. Just give me an hour. And I will give you a whole new life. Who says I want one? I'm telling you. There's no fish out there. How did this happen? What did you do? I'm giving you the chance to change your life. Peter, come with me. Give up catching fish and I will make you a fisher of men. What are we gonna do? Change the world. Great, okay. I love that relationship, how Jesus comes into Peter's life and sees potential, light show, sees potential that Peter doesn't see or isn't even aware of, and I think that's how it is in our lives as well. Can I just get, yeah, sorry. I just realized the lights are coming on. Um, so what I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna go through a lot of scripture. I'm just keep an eye on my time, and we're running short on time. So, uh, but I figure this, the Bible can preach better than I can. Amen? And better than any preacher. So that's why we need to be reading the Word of God, because it preaches to us as we read it. But I'm just gonna give you some snapshots of Peter's life. Because in these snapshots, it's not all the, the different important snapshots of his life, but it's a few. We can, we can see a man who's being transformed by the power of the Spirit and by the power of Jesus and a relationship with Jesus. And I believe it's for you and me to be encouraged that we can do this thing. And I'll just say it again. If Peter can do it, you can do it. And I can do it. Amen? Amen. So Matthew chapter 14 is my first passage here. And we are going to be flying. Matthew 14, to 29. 
It says this, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, while he dismissed the crowd, after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Just a a few words I want to pick up on. Peter stepped out. Peter stepped out. I believe this was a significant moment in Peter's life. I think there's only two people that walked on the water that ever recorded in the Bible. Jesus and Peter. Is anybody else? Don't think, didn't think so. I was wondering if I got that right. But that's a significant moment. And oftentimes in our lives, I don't know if maybe, again, how long all of us have been a Christian. Some of us a few years maybe. Some of us many years. Some of us a few weeks or months. But you know, Maybe there's some moments you can look back on and say, I really stepped out of the box there. I really took courage. I really had faith. And I did something I didn't expect I could even do. And I think Peter probably in this moment thought to, maybe he didn't even think really about what he was doing until he got on the water, which is when the problem arose. And sometimes in our lives as Christians, we just react and we do something in faith. Unfortunately, a lot of times those moments are few and far between because we calculate things. I know the English and the Americans, I mean, we're different in a lot of ways, but we're similar in some ways, and that's that we're very calculated. We think about what we do before we do it. And I would say a lot of reasons why we're not seeing revival in the West is because we're so calculated in our faith. I'm gonna think about this before I pray about that. Or I'm not so sure I wanna do that because of this, this, and that. But Peter stepped out. We read on in the next verse. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Next few words I want to pick up on here. Peter began to sink. He just walked on the water. he just done an amazing thing. he just done something supernatural that no other man besides Jesus had ever done. This great moment of faith. And then the next minute, he loses focus. Ever feel like that? You've done great things in God. You've, you've done, had an amazing moment with Jesus. And then it's just like a nosedive into, it, under the water. And you're trying to keep your head above water. But you were a great man of faith. You were a great woman of faith just moments before, maybe months before or years before. And then you find yourself in a place where you're sinking. And I look at this picture of Peter and I say, that's me. (laughs) In so many seasons of my life, that's me. I'm walking on the water one moment and I'm struggling to keep my head above water the next moment. And that's Peter. And you know, in our busy world, it's so easy to take our focus off of the one thing that matters. 
David says in Psalm 27, this one thing I've desired. We talk about that verse a lot. But you know how difficult it is to be a person of one thing in a world of many things? Really challenging, really difficult. And Peter's on the water, and he knows that his strength and what is going on in his life is a result of the power of Jesus, the power of the Spirit. But then he so quickly can take his focus, and we can so quickly be distracted by the things of this world. But you know what? Jesus was there when he cried out. And I look back at my life, and maybe you look back at your life, and you can see moments where you're sinking, and you called out to Jesus, and he was there to catch you. And I love that old hymn, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, because underneath us as believers are the everlasting arms of Jesus. That is security. That's safety to me. I know I'm not gonna get it right all the time. I'm gonna do my best to get it right. But when I start to sink because of my own foolishness or my own pride, Jesus is there when I call out to him. And he's there for you as well. Amen. He caught Peter and he pulled him up. Next little snapshot. We're gonna jump ahead in the story a little bit to Matthew chapter 16. Another interesting situation with Simon Peter. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what do you think? What do you say, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Another great moment in Peter's life. This time he's not walking on the water, but he's speaking prophetically about the person of Jesus. Yeah? And guess what? He nails it. He gets it right. Next slide. Peter gets it right. And, you know, there's times in our lives, again, when we look back and we see moments when we got it right. We, ha- we felt boldness come over us. We felt confident in our identity in in who Jesus is and our identity in Christ, and we were able to declare more with more courage than ever the truth. And you know what? Declaring the truth is becoming increasingly harder in our society because the truth is becoming less appropriate and less politically correct, and it's gonna get harder. Amen. It is gonna get harder, but by the power of the Spirit, we can be like Peter. Guess what? None of the other disciples said what Peter said. And oftentimes, even in church, there's people around us who love Jesus, but they're not always ready to declare the truth with boldness and courage. We need the Holy Spirit to do that. Amen. This next moment is one of my favorites, actually. Um, Luke 22 Verse 54 to 62 says this. I'm sorry, I just lost my place. I got ju- jumped a little bit ahead. It's actually Matthew 16, verse 21 to 23. It says this, from that time on, 
Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter just got it right. I mean, he had, with crystal clear poignancy, he declared prophetic truth about Jesus. And then the next minute, Jesus is publicly rebuking Peter and saying, in such strong language, you have the spirit, you have a demonic spirit behind what you're saying. Wow. And I think, you know, again, there's times when we get it right, but there are times when we get it wrong. Any perfect people in the house today? <laughs> I've gotten it wrong many times. And you know what? You've gotten it wrong many times. And I want to encourage you with something. And I want to set you free with something. You're going to get it wrong again. Yeah? Don't think you're going to walk through this thing from this moment on, get filled with the Spirit, and it's going to be a perfect ride for the rest of your life. We are still human. We still have a fallen nature. We're still battling and struggling with our sin. And there's going to be moments when we need to be corrected. Amen? Ah, yes. Amen. You know, we love to be encouraged. And we really hate the word correction because we think it, it carries with it discouragement. But biblical correction is actually love. Amen? We have to be positioned. If we're gonna be a house that wants to move in the things of the Spirit, each one of us as individuals has to be ready to receive correction from a biblical standpoint. Listen, Jesus didn't turn around and rebuke Peter to cut him down and break him. He rebuked him so that he could make him. He corrected him to make a man out of Simon Peter. And guess what? It worked because Simon Peter received it. But Peter could have been offended. I, could, I would have been offended if someone had said that to me. I can't imagine if I said something and Adrian said to me, that's a satanic spirit. There's something in my pride that would want to say, what do you who do you think you are? I just got it right the other week. I just got it right last month. And I wanna say this to all of us with as much love and encouragement as I can. We need to have a teachable spirit when it comes to the things of the spirit. We need to be able to receive input and correction and know that it's not about discouraging us or breaking us. It's about building us up. Amen? And Peter got that. And we need to get that too. That's encouraging to me. Amen. Next uh, passage here. Next snapshot. Luke twenty two fifty four. I jumped ahead again. I'm sorry. Matthew 26. <laughs> Matthew 26. I've got so many passages here. Matthew 26, I'm sorry. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, 
I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I, will, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. Wow. I mean, we all know what actually happens. We've got that insight. But you know what I believe? Peter was so sincere in this moment. Ever had a moment like that? You're so ready to commit something to God. You're so ready to stop doing something that you know is displeasing him. You're so ready to move into something that he's been calling you into for, for a long time. And you say, God, I promise you, prayer line promise, I'll do it. I'll go to the ends of the earth. I promise you I'll give that thing up. And maybe we do for a while, but I know for my own life, I've made, I've made promises that I didn't keep to Jesus. That's a big deal, right? And it's not something to take lightly. But I want you to know, God, Jesus understands our frame, okay? It doesn't give us the right to make ad hoc promises to God and not keep them. That's not what I'm saying. Don't get me wrong. We need to keep, be men and women of our word. But we need to understand, if we make a promise in our own strength, we cannot keep it. It's far better to say, God, give me strength to do this thing. Help me. I want to do it then I promise I'll never let you down. Peter said never. And saying never is a dangerous thing when we're speaking in our own strength and our own human muscle, right? I will never do that. Well, we've all had those moments. We've all had those moments. Luke twenty two fifty four. next snapshot here. Boy, we're getting a full on, we're reading the whole Bible today. It's great. Luke twenty two fifty four. Then seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, replied Peter. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Peter says never. And in the next moment, it's like that he's on the water one minute, he's under the water. He's saying never one minute. And the next minute he's doing what he said he didn't, was ever going to do. And he was sincere in those moments. But you know, we have moments when we shrink back. We know what we need to do. We know what God's called us to do. We know what we want to do. We're sincere followers of Jesus. But we pull back. And you know why we pull back? 
I've just got a list of things here, and every single one of them is the same root problem. Afraid of what people will think. Afraid of what people will say. Afraid of what people will do. Afraid of not having friends. Afraid of being viewed as too radical, too outspoken. Afraid of looking silly. And I'll say this, fear is a thief. And it's stolen many opportunities from you and me to share the goodness of God with the world because we were fearful. And we did, we're not just fearful, but we let that fear dictate our decision making. Am I the only one? Fear. I want the victory over fear. Amen. I don't want to be led and directed with a fearful heart. Okay? This is Peter we're talking about, by the way, okay? The great Peter. Okay? Let's just jump to the next one. This is my la- one of my last ones here. John 21. John chapter 21, verse 4 to 9. Early in the morning. This is after all that stuff happened. This is after Peter dropped the ball big time, okay? Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat. Now, Peter had just had a significant failure. I would argue the biggest failure of any man in the New Testament. We'll say that. And I think it's true. Jesus was right there. He was seeing what was happening to Jesus, and he pulled away, and he forsook him. Can you imagine what's going on in Peter's mind? Maybe you've experienced that when you've been, the Holy Spirit's told you to do something, or you've, been, you've known the right thing to do, and you haven't done it, and there's that feeling inside, that niggling feeling, I shouldn't, why didn't I do it? And you have two options at that point. You can pull back further and lose that confidence that God wants you to have as a son and a daughter. You can pull back and say, I, I've messed up. I'm a failure. I can't do it. Or you can do what Peter did, and he jumps right back in. He jumped back in. So he jumped in the water. And we can sometimes be like, oh, I'll just wait until I feel, you know, ready to get back into it. After a little time has passed. Listen, God doesn't want us to wait. Maybe you've had failure. Maybe you've had disappointment. Maybe you've struggled to be the man and the, or the woman that God's called you to be. Jump right back in to pursuing God. Jump right back in. Do what Peter did. He didn't wait for the other disciples to row their boat into the shore. He just jumped in. He said, I'm right back in this thing because of Jesus. If you look at yourself, if you look at your own failures, you'll never get back in. You'll be very cautious. You'll say, I'm, I've done this, I've done that, I missed this, I missed that. But if you put your eyes on Jesus, he is the God that is committed to finishing the work in you and me. He is committed 
to accomplishing it and bringing it to, not a partial job. He's there to finish the job in you and me. So when you put your eyes on him, you realize, wow, I have failed. But he's still committed to it. You're the only person who can abort God's plan for your life by getting out of the game, by giving up. There's only two kinds of Christians, those who give up and those who keep getting up. Peter gets in the game. He says, I'm not giving up. Now up to this point, Peter is defined by one word, in my opinion. Uh, The Bible calls him a reed, okay? Uh, Simon means reed. Basically what that means is unstable. A little thin reed just blows around. Any breeze can blow it over. Up to this point, Peter is completely unpredictable and completely unstable. And maybe in your life you can relate. Maybe in my life I can relate. I think about one week I'm up, one week I'm down. One day I'm on fire. Next day, I'm cold. Not, don't really want to get out of bed to pray. Don't really want to tell, talk to anybody on the bus about Jesus. The next day, the day before, I was just doing it. I had this passion. I had this, you know, this instability that Peter had. And what I want to say to you today based on this man, Peter, is instability was not the end of the story for Peter. And it's not the end of the story for you. If you feel that up and down rhythm in your life, guess what? The end of the story for Peter was this. Yes, you're a reed, Simon, but you're gonna be a rock. And I'll say that to you today. You might feel like a reed, but Jesus wants to make you into a rock. And as we commit ourselves to this thing of the Spirit rising up in us, being men and women of the Spirit, as we continue to pray those prayers, God, empower me. We're able to go from instability to stability, inconsistency to consistency. Okay, and I just want to read my last passage here from Acts chapter 2. Peter's moment. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We're gonna jump ahead to verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Amen. Listen, two things. Peter stood up, and Peter spoke up. Amen. Peter stood up, and Peter spoke up. The Holy Spirit was the game changer for Peter. Amen. Before that time, he was an erratic person completely governed by his emotions and his feelings on the time. Remember a few weeks ago I talked about a yo-yo. That's Peter. A yo-yo up and down, one day, next day, next week, totally different all the time. But the Holy Spirit brought stability. When you're weak and you lean against something that's strong, it brings stability, doesn't it? And when you're a Christian and you start to lean on the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, stability starts to enter your life because he's stronger. You know, 
Peter was called the rock, but guess what? There's a greater rock. Amen? The rock of ages, it's Jesus. And when we lean on him, when we lean on his spirit, stability, consistency can start to become our testimony. It doesn't happen immediately. It's a process. I mean, after this moment, Peter messes up again. But there's a stability that wasn't there before. There's a consistency that we can enter into that we see in Peter's life. We've got to be people who rely on the Spirit every day. That's how we gain consistency. Every day, be continually filled. I would challenge you, and I'm challenging myself uh, as I've been preparing this week. Manny, every day, get filled. Don't wait till Sunday. Don't wait till the Holy Spirit encounter weekend with Jonathan Conrath. Every day, get filled with the Spirit. There's so much that God wants to accomplish through our lives every day. If we put it off, I mean, there's been days where I have not tapped into the power of the Spirit. And I'll tell you what, those days are weekdays. Weekdays, I feel the weakness, I don't feel the wisdom, I don't feel the courage. But when I get filled, and I, I draw on that strength throughout the day, there's a different kind of Manny, a different kind of mindset, different kind of approach to every situation. I'm not going into a situation wondering what's gonna happen, I'm going into a situation thinking, what is God going to do, and how can I be a part of it? That's the difference between a Christian who's not filling themselves and a Christian who is filling themselves. Proactive versus inactive. I'm gonna close with this thought. Peter, there's a three-step program for all of us. Three-step program to going from a unstable person to stability, and it's this, okay? It's, it's simple. The first step is obvious. Peter gets filled with the Spirit. Up until that point, inconsistent. The second thing is that Peter stands up. And the third thing is that Peter opens his mouth. And I believe that's the formula in the book of Acts for Holy Spirit Christians. The, the, the church that Jesus saw in his mind as he looked ahead, they've gotta be filled. That's why I say on a daily basis, it doesn't take long to say, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh this morning so that I have what I need for every encounter, every situation. When we say that, he's able to do it. He's a, it's faith. We say, God, do it. He does it. We ask him. We come before him. Once we get filled, we've got to stand up. We've got the Holy Spirit in us raises us up. The Spirit's called, let the Spirit arise. I'll tell you this, the Spirit, you've got to, as a Christian, we've got to be a church that stands for righteousness. We've gotta take a stand for things. We've gotta take a stand for Jesus. We've gotta take a stand for what's right. As I said, the, the, the tension's increasing globally. If we don't take a stand now, we'll never be able to do it in the coming days. When it gets difficult, when it gets more politically incorrect to be followers of Jesus, okay? We've got to be those, we're filling up, we're taking a stand, and we're speaking up, we're opening our mouth. You know, God wants to use your mouth 
Adrian's up here today. Learen's up here today. Kirstie's up here today. I'm up here today. Listen, God doesn't want this church to survive off a few people opening their mouths. And there's many others in here. I'm not trying to minimize that. But the point is this. 